0: extensive tactical voting tactical voting is always a hot topic when it comes to election
1: time election time time. sometimes people talk about tactical voting as though it's a sort of lower form of democracy Half past seven on Friday, the eighth of December, guys. Welcome to episode 233 of Aid Thompson and other disappointments. Your twice, sometimes thrice weekly delve into the worlds of politics, news, dystopia, and all things shit. Uh, allow me to uh, to uplift your mood as we make it towards the end of another week, as we try to make sense of the senseless, as I try to bring my light to your darkness. Guys, uh, I've got two sponsors for this episode. Um, Quickly give them a shout out uh, and a doff of the cap for continuing to support the show. Um, So uh, first up, this episode of A Thompson and Other Disappointments is brought to you by the Matthew Sabian uh, album, Eclipse, available now on SoundCloud. Please do go and check it out. If you search uh, Matthew Sabian and uh, and then Eclipse, I'm sure that you'll find it. Go and check that out. Um, Also, this podcast is brought to you in association with Global Butterflies. If you go to globalbutterflies.com, you'll find they are a business consultancy and they will help your business support you in making your business more trans and non-binary inclusive and then you can reap the benefits that there are to be had uh, from doing that. Go to globalbutterflies.com. Uh, guys, tonight I'm honoured. Uh, I've got a guest I'm super psyched to have on the show. Uh, she's an activist, she's an author, she's a journalist and editor. Uh, she needs no introduction. Uh, please welcome to the show my guest this evening, Anthea Simmons. Woo! Uh, Anthea. Thank you. Welcome. Thank
0: you. Ray. Great to be here.
1: Welcome. Um, how's your week been? Let's start with that.
0: How's anybody's week been in the midst of the COVID inquiry? Rishi t- Titchy Tishy Titchy, titchy Rishi having a little meltdown and it's been immigration a, yeah. officers flying out the door.
1: I was thinking earlier like it's been a. I know there's a lot of chaos. I know there's a lot of mayhem or khem as I've rebranded it recently. Mm. But it's felt like it's been a while since there's been. As big a news week as this week, as you rightly point out, like immigration ministers just, you know, throwing their toys out the pram, storming out. And he's at number two. So he's reporting directly into the Home Secretary. Uh, yeah. The Covid inquiry, Boris Johnson. Be- I mean, any other week, that would be the main story. Right. But for some reason, this obsession with Rwanda, with Suela Braverman, I mean, that's bubbling up. That's that's sort of become the new party gate almost, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, that's crazy. And also, you know, it's kind of weird, isn't it? How many people's WhatsApp messages disappeared or their phones got lost or everything got eaten by a dog or something mm. in the same period of time? Do you know, they must; those messages must be so bad that it was worth having everybody say, oh, like you really lost them.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's the age-old question. It's like if, it's, if you're willing to make yourself look this haphazard disorganized and fumbly then what is what's worse than that you know but p- potentially yeah. rendering yourself unemployable to whoever you next yeah. go on to
0: yeah um i remember well, it's clearly i'd rather be a twat than be in prison
1: yes yeah <laughs> oh, i mean yes. free twat or imprisoned <laughs> genius uh it's uh, it's a similar sort of uh feeling i got when the sturgeons got raided and they dug up her lawn and I remember doing oh, a video God. saying, like, "What is so bad that they would rather that we think that they are like Fred and Rose West, basically?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. um, I know. I <laughs> know. But uh, but yeah. And then like just to touch on the WhatsApp stuff. I mean, it, I I did a little thing about this earlier in the week where I was like, you know, they the whole point of an inquiry is to to almost. I mean, first is to get to the truth, right? But secondly, it's to restore confidence in the public uh that they understand that there is some semblance of accountability but when you've got the former prime minister the former chancellor who is now prime minister plus the guy who was in charge of test track and trace plus there's another one isn't there i'm forgetting one there's four of them
0: lord bethel i think was it was it lord bethel who lost his phone or it
1: yeah, uh, so, uh, I mean,
0: there are various people who, who've who lost.
1: Yes, they, well, there's, there's definitely four yeah. of them because I remember counting them earlier in the week. But yeah, so Lord Bethel, but he was minister for yeah. tra- Test and Trace.
0: That was something else. Yes, yes,
1: that's right. Yes. Um. Oh, and then there's the guy that was signed off sick indefinitely so he can't appear to it. Simon Case. That's him. Uh,
0: Simon sick Case.
1: Like in any yes. other inquiry or trial or media journal situation... <laughs> Like, alarm bells should be written. It's like, how are we just blindly accepting that these four key characters have all lost their phones or are withholding evidence or just... I mean, Um. I feel like if he doesn't make an appearance, Simon Case, uh, you know, if he can't even dial in on a Zoom call or submit his phone, like, if he's too sick to come in, but he can't submit his phone, like somebody owes me a dead civil servant basically like cuz that well, I was
0: going to say we need to see him alive don't we
1: yes yeah um so yeah it's crazy times man um anyway let's let's touch on your background Anthony because um as i say I'm, I'm really excited to get you on um you've you sort of it, it feels like you've uh, like you're either a jack of all trades like you're good at a load of stuff or you've pivoted in the same or similar way to, to how i have kind of career wise um so can you sort of take us back to the beginning um, and then just oh. let's talk about how you became radicalised and became an activist also.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'm just a regular a vicar's daughter. Grew up in Cornwall, North Devon. Mm. Went to Oxford, went to work in the city, was one of the first girls on the floor of the Stock Exchange. Um, I had a great time, with Squirt rotten, voted Tory.
1: Okay. Um, yes. Sure, yeah. sure.
0: Thought that was my tribe, fitted in. Um, I retired quit in 2001 right. and did nothing for a bit uh, except look after my son um he was five at the time that i retired, and then i uh, did a bit of teaching and then gradually i just i don't know what happened um they say you get more you know some people say you get more right wing as you get older well that definitely is not what's happened to me i was just right. suddenly i suppose i just suddenly woke up and thought hang on a minute yeah There's something very very wrong here and i suppose brexit was the catalyst to kick me into you know finally wake me up and say for goodness sake gotta bloody do something can't mm. just sit on the sidelines so got heavily involved in the Brexit campaign um I'm sort of number two at Devon for Europe which was at its peak had 24,000 people on the mailing list and you know we ran 16 coaches up to the People's Vote March um just wow. from Devon alone. Yeah. You know so really really big big effort there and just um absolutely sickened at being sold out by the politicians.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, I think that's the... F- I, I I heard somebody describe, and I promise this is relevant, I, I heard somebody describe uh, the Philip Schofield and uh, what was the lady he uh, presented with? Forget her name now. Yeah, Holly,
0: Holly Willoughby.
1: Yeah, Holly Willoughby, that's it. Uh, when they appeared to jump the queue uh, to see the Queen lying in state, uh, mm. Somebody said something along the lines of uh, if there's one thing that gets Brits wound up, it's the feeling that somebody else is sort of uh, uh, like taking the mic, like taking their place, yeah. pushing in front of them or, or there's some sort of unjust thing yeah. like and they're, and they're being messed around by it. And it's not an exact parallel. It's not a perfect metaphor, but it's uh, I think there's a, a strong element of that with Brexit where until then... It wasn't a thing that necessarily like politics wasn't really a thing that had reached out and touched people or engaged them mm. in a way as potentially losing their freedom of movement might do um, as the, the like the rupture to the economy that was predicted mm. might have done. Um, and it's interesting to hear you say that that was one of the, the key things that got you got you into it, because when I interviewed Marina Perkis and... Gemma Forte actually it was exactly the same thing it was like Mm. that was when it was
0: screwed over by liars is not a good feeling well when it's so obvious as well yeah 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 it's like and And the press collusion and the whole thing I mean it just the whole thing absolutely stinks and I think I think we we do have a very strong sense of justice Mm. and I think one of the things that's driven me is real fury at them getting away with it and getting away with so much over and over and over again you know i want to see people in jail
1: same yeah (laughs) this is this is my thing i keep coming back to over the last couple of weeks i'm like people wonder how and i keep using the r word here like radicalization but people Mm. wonder how someone like me who's come from a uh the the background that i do uh which is sort of like council estates and then university and then um into it i've got a reasonably comfortable salary coming in people wonder like how somebody with the responsibilities that i do in the background that i that i have could end up radicalized and basically like frothing at the mouth say screaming like these people belong in prison but it's true it's like there's when there's no accountability And the crimes are so obvious and it appears like people are just getting away with it and smirking as they do. It elicits, it just ignites a fire within you where you're just like, no, no, I'm sorry. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm not having my kids or my friend's kids or, you know, whatever, pay the price for these idiots and them just like swan off to, you know, wherever it is that they're planning on spending their book and speaker circuit money, you know?
0: Yeah, House of Lords and the Cayman Islands, yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
0: and I think also then overlay it, overlay that with the whole climate emergency and the decades of disinformation and suppressed research from mm. the fossil fuel companies. And you just feel, you know, this planet does not exist for billionaires. That's not, you know, it's not mm. their plaything. It's not for them to trash. Did you see the environment, people's livelihoods?
1: Mm. Did you see yeah, the, um, something... the? Sorry, yeah, I was just going to say, did you see the clip of Question Time last night where the lady mm, in the audience? George
0: was great, wasn't he?
1: Uh he. Wait, hang on. Are we talking about the same guy? Ge- like the George Mombio. The... Oh, and Peter Hitchens. We, it, uh, oh, so yes, right. So George Mom. I'm. I'm positive. I'm not pronouncing his name properly. George, George Mombio. 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 Okay. yes.
0: He lives. He lives near. Yeah, he lives down Wicked. here.
1: OK, yeah. I'm, I'm quite impressed with myself that I nailed it first. OK, so um, uh, so, yes, great. He was a great uh, panellist uh, and that was a very interesting exchange, which you can come on to. But I was really interested in the lady in the colourful top uh, oh, who yeah. said to Johnny Mercer, you know, why do you keep saying that we have to drill in the North Sea to provide or to afford us some energy security? None of that oil or gas is going to come to us it's going to go on the global markets so why do you keep saying that and he fumbled he stumbled he couldn't answer the question i was like oh finally like i've been tweeting about this for ages people like that's our oil like it's going to save us that's going to keep us sustainable (laughs) i'm like it will be sold on the global markets like all of the other oil and gases you know
0: and we've already got enough to see us to 2050 anyway it's not a problem Mm. I mean really we should be getting really excited about the possibility of a whole new industrial revolution only it's a green revolution. Yeah. And we should be at the forefront of it not waiting for everybody else to develop the technology and then we'll have to creep along and try and buy it you know I mean it's absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. But that's what that's what fossil fuel capture is all about isn't it? Well this is it it's
1: when you look at the vested interests of the donors that feed into the conservative party and i really really hope it changes if and when there is a labor government but i have this horrible feeling anthea that it's just going to be like business as usual like they will be just as subservient to the donor whip kind of structure and mechanisms as the tories are like they're still going to need money to fund their party and they'll still go cap in hand to a lot of these big oil and gas companies and and then nothing will change but i really hope it does um but it does feel like you know where you've got fracking corporations over here lobbying people like Steve Baker, and then you've got BP donating all of this money over to CCHQ over here, and and you're and right. We've like got it's... All
0: the property developers saying we can't build a house, we can't build houses that are properly insulated and have um, alternative sources of heat and everything. We just you know yeah. there's no there's not, no money in it, but. And, delay and, the time when we have to do that.
1: Yeah, and you're absolutely right to draw the parallel a second ago between this and where Brexit was, because you've got this sort of money, this influence of big corporations and incredibly wealthy individuals, some of whom you may have used to have represented in your former <laughs> life in asset management. However, <laughs> uh, I it, it, it's just this feeling of unfairness and misrepresentation and treating the public as though we're idiots you know like if we use that example that you've just tapped into there of the uh the deregulation or the watering down of regulations for new homes so previously Mm. this was a staple we know of um of our commitment to reaching net zero was that all new homes would be built with certain materials that would be then better insulated but because property developers i know you you will know this but just for the benefit of uh, of uh because property developers are the largest of all the donors to the conservative party then lo and behold surprise surprise sunak stands up there behind a podium and says well you know like oh, i don't know if there's so much of a rush we're gonna let the new builders off the hook they don't you know you don't have to use new flashy heat pumps it's fine like it's like all oh, right okay so how incredibly I think the lucky real
0: but the real con is telling people that they're the ones you know it's you you the man in the street you're the one that's gonna have to pay for all of this yeah now that is that is just just plain wicked Mm. that really is you know you're gonna implying to people that they're gonna have their cars taken away from them yeah and that they'll suddenly have to find 15 grand for a ground source heat pump yeah it's absolute you know that is that's just
1: and and the problem with that is the the problem with that is uh i don't suppose it's a particularly helpful thing for me to say um i should i'm going to pre-stress that this is my opinion not yours anthea uh, but the problem is, with that is is that most people out there are really fucking stupid. <laughs> so when a, a Tory with a blue tie on and a plummy accent is on question time, if it's a uh, more receptive audience or if the host is in a more pro-Tory mood that week and the Tory says, well, you know, we've saved you £15,000. You were going to have to pay. A lot of people out there will be like, oh, that was... Oh, that was close. Yeah, I'll vote Tory again, you know?
0: Yeah. But do you know, I think I think the scales are falling from people's eyes. Yeah. This lot have been so bad that I think people have are really saying now, never again, I'm never gonna vote for those people again. They're crooks, criminals, corrupt. Yeah. Uh you know, we've got a question. I just if we just talk about about Southern Primer actually, which I think which gives sure. us a bit of yep. real hope for what's coming down the line. And and part of it is about mobilizing the disaffected and giving the disillusion something you know you can do this and you might actually come news night there might be a shocked prevent presenter saying you won't believe this but this in this safe seat that's been tory for a 100 years the community got together and booted the tory out yeah because that is what this is all about it's about well, let's, community power
1: let's let's expand on that because this is obviously an area of uh of passion and great interest for me um uh, I think it's going to be, play a pivotal role in the upcoming general election. Now, you have a bit of experience in it, so maybe you could tell us about how you got started in that initiative and then we'll sort of move on to how yeah. that's going to scale up at the coming GE. Yeah. Okay.
0: So we'll go back to the start of things. Yeah. Michael Simon Aldridge, who's a really strong environmental campaigner and has worked on the CE Bill with Caroline Lucas. That's the Climate and Ecology Bill, mm. which is essential we get through because that will absolutely change everything um he came to talk to me because i was because i run west country voices which is an online citizen journalism paper and we don't hold back and we are very we are anti-tory and we call them call them out all the time uh, and said look i've got this idea what do you think and i thought yeah why not let's do it and he and then we were joined by ben long who's also a climate activist mm-hmm. and the three of us sort of got together and thrashed out how it might look and how it might work and then a year, just about a year ago, we took our first democracy meter out on the streets, which is the sort of a, you know, it's a bit of fun, really, but it's a way of engaging with people. Mm. Um, so we've got these six questions. They're not biased at all. Um, <laughs> uh, do you trust the conservatives to clean up the mess they've made? That's the first one.
1: Right okay one slightly loaded., yeah.
0: so so outspoken on that and so sort of obviously biased is one, so that nobody could say, oh, you're trying to trick me into saying anything. Two was that I think after the succession of prime ministers, a lot of people seem to think, keep thinking we've got a new government. Mm. So it's the same party. Yeah. Yes, you've got a new prime minister, you've got a new prime minister every 10 minutes. That's got nothing to do with it. Just reminding people yeah. that what they're suffering now is down to these people before they try and offload it onto somebody else and keep saying, oh, it's all Labour's fault. Yeah. The next question is, do you, is the NHS safe with the Conservatives? The next one, do you trust the Conservatives to act effectively on the climate and nature crisis? Mm. Then it's, um, are you concerned about the state of our democracy? Um, Do you trust your your Conservative MP to act in your best interests? And finally, do you like the idea of uniting behind a single opposition candidate? And that's when the storytelling comes in. Right. So what we find on the street is that people, A, love to be asked, you know, Mm. which is something that's quite surprising. They find it very therapeutic. The anger comes out, the rants come out, the the frustrations come out, mm. they stick, stick us stickers on with vehemence and passion. No, I don't, no, I don't, you know. And and when you ask about are you concerned about democracy, what comes out over and over again, yeah, because like it doesn't matter how I vote, I don't get what I want. Right. So people understand that they are being disenfranchised mm. and that. The scourge of the safe seat, the scourge of first past the post, um, the scourge of complacency—really, and apathy in some cases—you know—is what's yeah. preventing change. And people want to; they want to go; they want to be re-engaged, and they want a reason to re-engage. And that's what the primary offers them.
1: And it's—it's it's like all of these are really important points to to hammer home because there's so many different ways that people are pushed out of the electoral process now. So you've got the very obvious ones and then you've got the more subtle ones. So the obvious ones are where they've changed the law to require people to use voter identification Mm -hmm. and the acceptable forms of ID uh, are sort of weighted towards... So if you're an old-age pensioner, you can use this, but if you are a young person, not so much. Um, So there's that sort of stuff. But there's also... I feel like if you ask people on the street and you say, you know, do you trust the local Tory MP to uh, reflect your concerns and interests over the concerns of the party? I think that's a really important and enlightening question to ask and then to educate people on, because the donor whip structure uh, of the Conservative Party, primarily, as I say, it could be true with Labour also, is not set up to reflect the person, the constituent's interest, is it, at all? So if you go to Joe Bloggs on the street and you say, well, what are your interests, blah, 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 that, like, he might or she might go to the local MP and then voice that concern. And maybe if it's a very independently-minded conservative MP, they might go back up to CCHQ and voice it. But the chances are, if that conflicts with a donor, with what the donor wants to see in terms of regulation, in terms of new laws, legislation... Uh, it's it's you, you don't stand a fucking chance. Like no. your concerns are absolutely secondary uh, yeah. to the like the business side, which is why I always keep saying like the Conservative Party are not there to govern for the people. They're there to sell policy to billionaires who pay them and fund them. And then if what yeah. you want as a constituent is something that doesn't conflict with that, then maybe. <laughs> yeah
0: you know but you know it's interesting when you ask people they you know lots of people say well Anthony Magdal's a personable guy and I quite like him mm. but but they say but I'm not a billionaire and I'm not a millionaire so therefore this is a party that does not act in my best interest because I'm not rich yeah and only if I'm rich and can do something for them are they interested in me so people get that so let's talk and then Look, yeah oh, No, I was
1: just going to say so let's talk about because I suppose traditionally, historically, people would say, oh, well, if I don't feel that my local safe seat Tory MP is going to reflect my views, I will vote for the other party. But in your constituency, uh, that traditionally has been a problem, right? Should we talk a a little bit about, could you tell us about vote splitting in that area?
0: Well, it's been a Tory seat for 100 years. Mm. And we're talking stereotypes here, but there is an, an affluent retired class who have traditionally voted Tory. I think the Tories had a good, had a sort of good scam going when they managed to persuade people that the voting Tory was somehow aspirational. Right. And it was a kind of badge of having left the working class or right. or left the left the woke, woke karate or whatever, Do you know, just being yeah. sort of, I'm looking after number one in my family kind of thing. Right. Um, so they managed to capture that feeling, I think. Um, and what's happened in, in Totnes in particular is that you had, after Sarah Wollaston, Sarah Wollaston was a good constituency MP. Yeah. And she was chosen by a primary actually. Oh, right. It was open to everybody in the whole constituency to choose the conservative they wanted to represent them. Yeah. So, you know, quite enlightened. So that's where part of the idea came from. Um, but last, um, last time round, for example, the biggest cohort of people after those who voted Tory, and it was um, only, I think, I've got to be sure the numbers, but it was only 44% of the electorate who actually voted Tory. Right. But there was 25% of those on the electoral roll didn't bother to vote. Right. And when, and when we talked to a lot of those people on the street, and they said, well, there's no point, is there? There's absolutely no point. It's just a wasted vote. I couldn't be bothered. It's better just, you know, I couldn't, just leave it right so if we can tap into any of those people which we are beginning to do
1: Mm.
0: and say just once how about you give it a go yeah what we've got is a situation where the tory is likely to win on a minority of the vote they're predicted to win whether he's predicted to win about 32 33 percent right because the opposition is split so and people aren't clear. It's not clear from any of the polling whether it should be the Lib Dem or Labour. You know, yeah. Greens probably realistically they you know they they sort of probably know whether they're the third, the third party. But we said in order to get real buy-in, instead of doing instead of um, trying to second-guess who's going to be the tactical vote on the day, let's let's us let's all of us pick decide who we think is best place to do it. Mm. So at the town halls that we've got booked for next year people will come along and interview the three candidates and I've, we say to people, you're interviewing them for the job of representing you. Yeah. And we're going to document their promises. Yeah. And if they want to win your vote, they're going to have to appeal to a pretty broad church. Yeah. And they're going to have to commit to some things. I'm, I'm sure one of the deal breaker things will be, are you committed to supporting PR?
1: Mm.
0: Are you submitted, uh, committed to supporting the climate and ecology bill? Those mm. are going to be pretty key things that people will want to know about. Um, and then when all the town halls are over, we add up all the votes and it's a preferential to sort of rank everybody one, two, three. We can't do proportional representation, obviously, because we're doing a whole person. Right. We can't yeah. piece them together Frankenstein style. Yeah. Um, so um, it'll be a sort of sudden death runoff, you know, from the, from the rankings. Mm-hmm. And then we all say, right, that, no matter what your personal preference was, that might be your second choice, but it's our first choice now and we're all going to get behind them.
1: Right, okay.
0: Yeah. And the big thing is that because we're going out, we're, we're leaf, we've leafleted almost the entire constituency now with volunteers. That's 38,000 houses that have hand, been hand-delivered with a leaflet.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And we've been out on the streets with our, with these boards, you know, taking opinions. And today, for example, we had two teams out, one in Tottenham, one in South Brent. And the reaction's just all the same. It's people, once you show them how this is going to work, they go, oh, I'm in. Yeah, count me in. I'm really? definitely doing that. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you can see my... I've got my branded yeah. hoodie on. Cool, yeah. When you wear that around the streets, you know, people come up and say, oh, I'm doing that.
1: Yeah. How wicked. It's
0: great, you know. So it's be- really beginning to gather momentum.
1: Does it give and you a buzz, can- like, to know yeah, that you're... It yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. like you're going to affect change, aspirationally, yeah. but, like, it feels yeah. like there's some t- momentum to it, right? Like.
0: Yeah. And, okay, for some people it's as simple as, I want to give the Tories a kicking. yeah that's fine for some people it's i actually have a you know moral ethical philosophical reason for wanting to do this mm. you know that's fine that's fine but the big thing is that people are people turn around and they say oh so my, what you're saying is that my vote might actually count this time and i'm going yep that's exactly what we're saying yeah and they go, right i'm in
1: i saw um i saw a clip on your website earlier uh where somebody was uh, i think it was a conservative mp or a, like a local candidate or something and he was saying oh well this sounds like uh socialism on steroids because that
0: was the yeah uh, that's the he was like it's
1: like you're denying people their choice and i think oliver dowden said something very similar at the last like maybe the local elections, something something to do with the like the idea that tactical voting was playing a more of a role and he said something about oh no, no i remember now it was a rumoured pact between Lib Dem and Labour and mm. it, it, they wrote to Labour to say can you comment on this sort of this pact this deal because it sounds like and this was their words uh it sounds like you're looking to deny voters a good choice <laughs> and I was like no what they did like they're being smart like this is no different to when the Tories did a pact with the Brexit party and he must have known that like that's this is why I get so fiery and like wound up because it's like as as he was then, as chair of the Conservative Party, there is absolutely no way he didn't know about the pre like the twenty nineteen pact yeah, yeah. with the Brexit Party. So to then yeah. go on record with a written note to Labour and say, you want to tell us about this this pact that we don't approve yeah. of," it's like, "Will you fuck off?"
0: Yeah, I know, and we're saying to people. Oh, how weird. We're encouraging people who don't bother to vote, usually, to vote. Mm.
1: And that's undemocratic. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like you're a right enemy of democracy. Yeah.
0: they get to choose who they want to vote for. And we don't ask any candidates to stand down.
1: Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. No, he has got a leg to stand on. Okay, so it sounds like things are going well in, in South Devon. And then so let's assume that there is a general election in spring of 2024. What's the plan?
0: Right. So the plan is: first of all, we're we're rolling them out to some other constituencies as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we've got what we decided to do is to make it all um, open source. So if you meet the criteria, we're not interfering in places where there's a clear front runner from a pro- progressive, because you don't want to mess it up. It's mm-hmm. where it's ambi- um, ambiguous. Right. It's where the Tory's going to win if you don't do something. Okay. Because the vote will be split. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody knows who that. Nobody knows who the, knows who the, the tactical vote is. So we've got um, four confirmed now and others in the wings. So there's um, Danny Kruger's seat, Michelle Donnellan. Okay. Um, Jeremy Hunt. Uh, hang on. I've got a blank now on the third. Kemi Badnox is in the wings. All right. We're trying okay. to get somebody. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Trying to get um, Suella Braverman's uh, Farum seat off the ground, too. We've got some interest there. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, one of the things that we want to do is to get as many people get going before Christmas as possible. Right. Because after Christmas. um, So we I think we've got to we've got to go on the basis that they could go in May.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Get prepped. And then I suppose any like if they do push it back to later in the year or early early 2025, I think is the latest they can do it.
0: January 25. I mean, that would be.
1: I'll fucking kill myself, Anthea, oh, if it's that long. Oh, don't know. You've uh-huh.
0: got to hang on till I know there's a bit of me that says, oh, just go have a snap election right now. Let's oh. get, get rid of you and get yeah. on with it.
1: But this sort yeah. of goes back to you know what I was saying earlier about the, the machinations of CCHQ donors, what they're actually there to do is like it the the idea that they're gonna just hang on in there for as long as they possibly can Sort of speaks to that whole theory because it's like they don't really care. They're not there to serve us. They're not like they haven't governed for like... I mean, I'm, I'm sure David Cameron had some ideas and I'm sure Theresa May wanted to do some things. They haven't governed, governed in the interest of the people for a long fucking time. It's no. so these... just
0: been one big trolley dash and they want to have to the, have the, keep the supermarket open as long as possible. Exactly.
1: Yeah, they've got their finger on the button at the moment. They can still sign off government contracts. So as long as donors keep coming knocking on their doors saying, well, if I give you £25,000, can I have a £300 million contract? They're going to keep doing yeah. it, so that yeah. then when they're in opposition, they've got some money banked. You know, that's yeah. the theory. Well, I'm
0: quite worried. You know, they have just put up the spending limits they're allowed, but massively. And then you hear that Lord Sainsbury, one of the Sainsburys, that left them 10 million quid mm. last month. So, you know, they're going they're going to spend that money in so, on social media ads, targeted social media ads, like there's no tomorrow. Oh, yeah. You know? And here we are on the ground campaigning on a shoe, absolute shoestring, just with people power and volunteer time and everything. Yeah. Up against this, you know, absolute Goliath of of corruption and wealth.
1: Mm. It's
0: you know, it's it's quite a it's quite a thing.
1: Can I ask? And you know, I wouldn't expect you to name names, but has your former life in asset management served as uh, like fertile ground for like fundraising for this stuff because a, f- a friend of mine who works in activism always says uh, you know it's like people expect you to save the world for free like there's never no. any funding coming into left leaning causes even though everyone agrees that things are getting more authoritarian that the NHS is in tatters that blah 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 um, and and we always all complain that there's no money coming in I, I just wondered does it doesn't sound like there is that sort of money coming in is that because they all vote Tory Not or is it
0: no, not to be honest not asking not really? asking for it we are um i'm sure simon won't mind me saying that he 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 funds it mm. um it's peanuts really right. i mean it's it will be a you know lots of somebody on on universal credit but it's it's de minimis really mm. the only thing we're going to crowdfund um is the mass mailing to tell everybody where the town halls are so right. in, Jan- in whenever we decide to we've got them booked, but whenever we decide to tell everybody here are the dates and make sure you come, mm-hmm. we're going to get Royal Mail to do that because February is not a good time to be asking volunteers to be out hand no. delivering stuff in remote areas, you know. So it, it, you know it's, it costs about three grand. We're going to have to raise the money um, with a crowdfunder, mm. and I'm sure we'll get the money like that we'd rather it came from lots and lots of little donors who who buy into the whole thing yeah Um, but no we wanted it to be very sort of transparent and not have any conflicts of interest or any yeah you know just keep it really pure
1: that's nice I mean it's I suppose by keeping in keeping it in uh, that sort of model you completely neuter any accusations that you are then in hock to donors and unions yeah. or you know whatever but um yeah and but- the other
0: really important thing is not none of us belongs to a political party
1: yeah okay all of
0: us at one time or other have voted for the three progressive parties but tactically
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but we're not a member of any party and again when you're talking to people on the street when you say look i'm not from any i'm not from any political party they kind of su- big cyber oh okay okay you're yeah. not trying to get me to vote for you that's great you know that's um
1: yeah, that helps enormously. Interesting, and so the the other thing I was wondering about was like so obviously, I mean, to me this sounds like a really good solution, and it would be really interesting to see this uh, scale up at the at the GE because a lot of the conversations I've had with the movement forward. And Josh, there specifically have been around, you know, where there's a clear winner, then it's this person, and where it's this other party that looked like they have the best chance, then it's that party. So everyone should get in behind that party. We don't spend an awful lot of time talking about kind of marginals where the second and third party are kind of ish neck and neck. Mm. Um, I wondered if you've had any pushback from either of the parties.
0: No, I think really the thing is. These are seats that they probably didn't ever expect to win. Mm. So there's that. Okay. So suddenly this is a massive resource. You know, you've got an independent organisation mobilising voters like there's no tomorrow, Mm. bringing people who are normally not that interested in politics, getting them out into the town halls to ask questions about manifestos. Mm. It's a fantastic opportunity to showcase what you're about. Yeah. So people think, thinking, actually, yeah, this is brilliant. I don't have to do anything. I just rock up. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that if you're then not the winner, you can go in, the, the party can say, right, okay, we're going to concentrate therefore on that seat where we've got a bit more of a chance. And yeah. the volunteers can go over there, you know, and you recreate a little bit of that um, by-election buzz yeah. where people go where they're most needed.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
0: And I think I think people really do get that this is kind of shit or bust, this election. Feels that way, yeah. doesn't it? Like yeah, I, I, it feels like we're on the edge of losing our democracy completely.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like we're quite where America is right now. Like with the US, I truly feel like if Trump gets yeah, in, yeah. you're yeah. gonna see some yeah, sort no, of like it might not no. be called the Enabling Act. <laughs> might not be that radical. But it won't be far off. It'll be in the neighbourhood. There'll be some sort of reigning in of press freedoms. There will be uh, similar legislation, I suppose, to what we've seen over here about, like you know, strikes and protests. Um, I, but,
0: you know, we are ticking a lot of the mm, the fascism tick boxes, aren't we? Yeah. Social suppression, demonstrations. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's you know, curbing protest. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff in there that's not not good
1: yeah When well, you've
0: got a prime minister who stands up and says do you know what i think i'll make a law i have a law that says a place is safe when it's not safe
1: yeah because i said so
0: <laughs> yeah it's like where does that end
1: yeah like i was doing a tiktok about it yesterday again like i i don't know if he fully understands i'm certain suella braverman doesn't fully understand but i don't know if sunak understands that just because you say something is the case within your own domestic area." doesn't mean that you are then exempt from international law. That doesn't yeah. like, and he's a smart yeah. guy. I I feel like he's more cynical than dumb. Whereas with Braverman, I feel like it's the opposite way around.
0: Yeah. But um, do you know what I think Sunak would like? I think he'd like to swan off now to California, cozy up to Musk, yep. do a Clegg. Good. Um, and then, and then maybe eye up being prime minister of India or something. I mean, why not? <laughs>
1: could be like i keep trolling him on twitter saying like just take your winnings and fuck off like just (laughs) you won you've won you were privately educated you had a great university experience you did this you went in the city you you became prime minister the first british asian prime minister and you've made Mm. a shit ton of money and potentially you're about to make a shit ton more when your wife's Uh, shares benefit from the India trade deal that you're so desperate to get, which is the rumour to why he's got David Cameron in, right? Mm. Is to sort of smooth that over. Mm. Um, But just what, like, why are you even hanging in here? And the only thing I could think of was that his, so much of his life and his family and his friends and his circles are embedded in conservative, conservatism and, you know, the party's sort of extensions and offshoots. That if he did just press the nuclear button now, and he was like, "Right, GE," he would never be forgiven. Forgiven, he would be ostracised, banned from this country club, and and that's. But I think if it was actually up to him, if if he wasn't, if he didn't have to pay the price for it socially. I think he probably would have just fucked off by now.
0: Yeah, do you know? I got the impression at the podium the other day when he bashed his papers, it was almost like, "I don't want to do this anymore." Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I heard a bunch of. <laughs>
0: I want to go to California.
1: <laughs> uh, a bunch of adjectives used to describe it, like petulant, tetchy. Pechy. Yeah, yeah. And he is like I- I've seen a few interviews of him now, like where they ask him a question, he gives an answer. They prop, uh, probe him. I mean, they prod him, and yeah. he comes off as impatient, and he just loses it, doesn't he, yeah. really quickly?
0: I mean, not not be not in a big way, but he just you like. He's like, how dare you? He's.
1: I will tell how you what, dare he's you got. Question
0: me. He's, I beg a pardon?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Challenging
0: me. There's, you there's a wife. sort of
1: there's a there's a I'm better than you layer to it, but there's yeah, also Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you had mates like back in the day where, like, if I was down the pub with my friends and then somebody said something a bit shitty to me, or if they ruined my game of pool, like they just like started messing around on the pool, mm-hmm. I would be visibly upset or about it. I would just, oh, don't don't fucking do that, like. And then I would become the joke. They would be like, ah, look, look how angry he is. Look how And I would be like, I'm not even that angry. I'm just like, don't yeah. fuck up the pool table. Like, but he's got that. It's like that sort of slight diluted element of like, look, I underneath I obviously am really fucked off about this, but I'm going to gonna keep a sort of civil like veneer to it. Uh, yeah. It's how I read him when he's like that. But I
0: do now call him Titchy Titchy Rishi.
1: It's a good name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, um, dear,
0: idea. I mean, but look at that! Look at that front bench. I mean, oh, what they're abysmal. A bunch of yeah, useless,
1: mm. venal. Here's, here's
0: ignorant a, people. Here's anyway, a question
1: for yeah. you. Um, this I I think this could be a really interesting answer. So let's let's go with it. So you've got imagine you've got a constituency coming up at GE. Everyone's like, "Yep, Anthea, come on, let's go do the tactical voting thing. Let's go out leafleting. Blah blah blah." And then you have a look at what each candidate stands for. And it's like neck and neck and neck. You've got Lib Dems, Tories, Labour. But Labour, the guy, is not overly enthusiastic about climate science. The Lib Dem guy is not overly enthusiastic about climate science. And then the Tory is one of those very few that's quite sort of, you know, environmental and rural. And it actually is. Taking it quite seriously. Would you adjust your campaign in that area to allow the Tory in, knowing that they would still be subservient to CCHQ and the donors and BP and so on and all the fracking stuff, or would you stay true to your campaign's roots and be like, we've got to get rid of this motherfucker?
0: It's the latter.
1: <laughs> really? Okay, cool. Yeah. It's the right answer. You would have prize it.
0: <laughs> there is, I'm afraid. Action speak. If if somebody if if there was a Tory that felt like that, they are in the wrong party.
1: Yes, I saw somebody <laughs> yesterday uh, on Twitter about the thick. Did you see the clip of the newsreader who like? Yes, f- he put went <laughs> the thing up right, and um, uh, and this Conservative MP replied to it or like quote tweeted it, and said, "I'm shocked that this is still up. Uh, this is this is beneath us." Like she was disgusted yeah, yeah, yeah. that CCHQ were like. Doing these things, bad day for CCHQ yesterday for their uh, Twitter account. Uh, and there's loads of people underneath it trolling, going like, "You draw the line at this, really? This is." <laughs> and uh, and I was like, there was a couple of others saying like, "Then leave, resign," because this is absolutely mm. what your party are all about. Yeah. This isn't even the yeah. worst thing. It's not even close. There's yeah. so much more that's I just what. And um, yeah, you're right. Like they should, they should just cross the floor, or they should actually have some integrity to them yeah, yeah
0: they- i tweeted similarly something yesterday i said you know if you really if you, you know are there really no decent tories left who don't you know do not say oh well i'm standing down next time it doesn't absolve you mm. you should um either follow your conscience do the right thing or cross the floor mm. you know it's not good enough it's not good enough to just roll over yeah you know.
1: yeah i mean we had a sort of a sniff of what that change could or should have been, when you had Anna Soubry, uh God, who the other ones?
0: Grieve, David Gore. yeah, really good people, Rory Stewart, I yeah, cracking, you know. I mean, mind you, the Overton Windows moved so far to the right that you know there are lots of people that we think are central centrists who aren't really, you know, yeah, are yeah, they yeah. they are right wing, but but decent people with values and some core cool morality and you think that johnson just trashed a lot of them
1: yeah but it's like so when they all stood up and they when they they were going to start a new party Ch- uh, chukka umuno was in there yes well.
0: yes there was, yeah
1: um and uh there was a labor and
0: sarah wallaston sarah
1: wallaston and... there was about 12 of them wasn't there yeah and uh and was i thought oh uh this is the moment right like it yeah they could either they're going to form their own party slash kind of lobby group really is what it is it's it's sort of what reform are now but it was for centre left centre right um but it just sort of fizzled out didn't it It well first
0: pass the post won't let anything like that live anyway and really what we need is we need electoral reform those big tents have got to split you know that they can't you can't keep fascists and one nation tories on in one tent no without having you know squabble, and pretend that behind that inside that tent it's all sweetness and light because it's blatant patently bollocks so the sooner they split and the fascists can be fascist and the centers can be center mm. and everybody can see what they are and the same with labor you know the super left can have its own thing Then you have proper transparency. People can really vote for who they really, really, really want. And it will make life a lot, lot better.
1: This is the wild thing, isn't it? About like, so, you know, when we talk about crossing the floor or like, you know, so just resign. Like, I wouldn't even think it was that much of a leap anymore for people to to make the leap from. Like if you're a centre right, sort of half pragmatic, half intelligent Tory to make the leap from. That to Keir Starmer's Labour Party doesn't feel like the sort of leap that's going to leave you with a stretch injury right now. (laughs) Uh, So it it, it's all the more insulting or disappointing that you know so few slash none of them have been able or felt able to uh, to make that move.
0: Yeah, but you know I think first past the post coupled with tribalism. Mm. I mean I really the thing that makes me turn my hair up is people who say, well, I'll never, ever vote Lib Dem, or I'll never, ever vote Mm. Labour. You say, well, so you'd rather let a Tory in? Yeah. And they they go a bit sort of quiet. Well, they actually would. But they actually would let them in.
1: Yeah. But then (laughs) I always think it's an interesting exercise to. So one of the reasons I asked you earlier about, you know, if the Tory was more pro-environmental is because it, it is interesting to sort of test that tribalism. And I've asked um, Tan, Super Tansky, uh, yeah, for, yeah. for anyone that's uh, watching that has isn't isn't already following her, which, you know... Dystopia
0: what, if, warning. <laughs> if, yeah,
1: if you're not following Tan, I mean, what, what the fuck are you you're doing? You're missing
0: out, big yeah. star. <laughs>
1: um, but I've asked her before and I've sort of, you know, it's in a playful way, I've been like, what if the local Tory to you adopted a load of progressive policies in their manifesto? Would you lend them your vote versus the sort of watery Labour candidate in it? Like, would you would you make that leap yourself? Because there is a tribal element to it. And I don't want to say never say never. I mean, at the moment, it feels like I would never vote Tory. I, I would be drenched in shame. I'd set fire to myself. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I can't... I, basically, I don't want to be in a position where I can't criticise others for being tribal towards Tories when I myself am saying, like, I could never vote Tories. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but that but the thing is, if you sign up to be a member of this current manifestation of the Tory party, mm. I mean, I'm sorry, you are virtually UKIP. You are UKIP. Oh, yes. You're... you're blue you Kip. Know, yeah. You're Blue kip, definitely. I mean, you, unless you're so... You see, the only reason you might do that and then say whatever is that you might be like boris johnson who'll say whatever it takes i mean have you read the the rory stewart book i mean it's clear that you know he, that there are people in politics who will say whatever it takes you want to hear this i'll tell you this mm. you over here or you want something different okay you can have the different thing yeah It yeah. conflicts with that thing i said to that person but do you know what you don't talk to each other so it really doesn't matter yeah. and i can't remember what i said to you anyway because it was five minutes ago mm-hmm. and i didn't whatsapp it or was that my whatsapp so i don't remember
1: oh yeah Yeah. And there's so much testimony out there as to how crooked the candidates are, how um, soulless and vapid they are. But there's also a lot of critiques out there about how just set up for failure, the entire estate of Westminster is. Yeah. Yeah. and and I suppose I'm alluding to Ian Dunt's book there. Like, um, what's it called? Yeah, yeah. Uh, why? It,
0: why it doesn't work?
1: Yeah. yeah. How West How Westminster works Westminster and why it works. doesn't. Right.
0: And why it doesn't. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant.
1: Um, but you know,
0: one of the things about the primary too is when you send a candidate up there that the people en masse have chosen. It's a bit like the teals in Australia. They're yeah. on a kind of mandate from the people, and you know, we'd like to think that if there are four or five or six or seven or a dozen of them sitting there, they might feel that like they're in a kind of block. You know, these are all people's champions who were sent by the primary process and they might they might feel empowered, they should feel empowered to say, I'm sorry, I can't go for that. I promise those people. And we're going to document all those promises yeah. and we're going to monitor them and we're going to hold them to account.
1: Yeah. And we're going
0: to keep reminding them we'll have all these bite-sized chunks of video. You said. Yeah. You
1: did. <laughs> this is like, it's what winds me up about it. It's like. You why... said you voted. Like, I do This mind. way, this way. I don't mind if they say. Look, as as the Labour Party or as the Liberal Democrat Party, we have to get a certain amount of money in every year to fund the party. That's the system that we have. Now, in order to make that happen, we have to do some deals with donors. And yes, sometimes they expect little favours in return. So that is just how politics is in the UK. And I'm sorry that I said that we would pay for three <laughs> new bridges in lower quaffington Smythe or like where where the village (laughs) is um but unfortunately (laughs) yeah like unfortunately uh i spoke to the thing and that did conflict with the donors blah 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 like if they were just honest about it but it's just the thing that winds me up about it it's like it's never honest it's always Um. contorted misrepresented spoon fed back to us as though we're fucking idiots Yeah. I mean,
0: what we're arguing for, really, isn't it? The state funding of parties so that we don't have donor funded parties.
1: Yes. I mean, I would support that. Um, Yeah.
0: That would make a massive difference, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. But it's like, then how do you I guess you would need to apportion, you know, like a chunk of tax money for the opposition and then double it for the government. Um, yeah,
0: there has to be some formula. I'm sure somebody could work it out what the yeah. pro rata amount should be for campaigning and everything that you couldn't. Yeah, you know, you run a yeah. party and run a campaign. You couldn't actually. You can't spend 32 freaking million on it. Yeah. No. <laughs> well,
1: this is it. Like, I, I really don't want to get in a situation where the UK is like the US, and it's just like, yeah, here's a hundred million dollars, and yeah. you just like, yeah, like skywriting stuff up there, and every other advert is like, oh, I'm John Buck. Blah, blah, and I approve this message. It's like, I don't know. Let's not go down that road, guys. No, no, no.
0: No, proportional representation. Make the Houses of Parliament into a museum and uh, move and build a hemisphere in Birmingham. Yeah. Glassy, bright, and airy. Get different people in. Get proportional representation of much more interesting candidates. Yes. Get some compromise going and some long term planning. Ka-ching. There. Done. Sorted.
1: I agree. Um, listen, uh, Anthea, we've got, we've got about afternoon. five minutes. Um, I'm just going to quickly ask anyone on the live stream. We've got a bunch of people on there tonight. Uh, we've got Tracy, we've got P- uh, Pedalus, we've got Mojo Sabian. We've got Peter Del Monte, we've got Simon M. We've got somebody called the Lefty Boater who I've not seen in before. But hello, Lefty Boater. Um, if any of you have questions for myself or Anthea, please do shoot them in the chat very, very quickly. And in the meantime, I'm going to ask Anthea some quick fire uh, cliche podcast questions. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you opened up Spotify or iTunes on your phone right now, what song is playing?
0: Uh, slow Dive.
1: Slow Dive. Slow Dive? Who's that? What's that?
0: Slow Dive is nice. Shoe Band. They're lovely. Mm. They're great google okay. them they're fantastic i will Thank immersive sounds it's just wonderful
1: yeah i mean are they as good as this episode's sponsor which is matthew sabian whose album eclipse is out now on soundcloud i
0: don't know i'll have to go and have a listen to it won't you, I?
1: you will yeah. um okay if there was a movie about you who mm. would play you
0: who would play me oh i'd like to think
1: kristen scott thomas oh okay okay and then separate to that who have you been told that you look like?
0: um, My mum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the route that I was planning on going. But I yes, think sometimes. Yeah.
0: I have been told, oh, this probably this is a bit obscure, but I have been told when I've got a hat on, a riding hat on, I look a bit like Lucinda Green.
1: Oh, wow. OK, lovely. Yeah. If I rode
0: like her, I'd be super happy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, OK, what's the last thing that you did that you really wish you hadn't
0: um that was a good question what was the last thing i did that i wish i hadn't Mm.
1: we can come back to it if you like i've got an easy yeah let me
0: think about that okay i'll have to think about that
1: who in your opinion has got a very very punchable face
0: how long have we got
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can give me two oh, or three. I if you think like.
0: Generic. Generic at the moment. Will oh, be, yeah. yeah.
1: Normally people say Piers but Morgan. It too, but because it's like big and round. Yes, it is. Oh, it's so squishy. Yeah. As
0: Supertan said, it's a baby in a Debenham suit.
1: Yes, perfect. You see, this is what I mean. If you're not following Supertansky, you need to get involved. Um, yeah, normally people say Piers Morgan uh, in some of the older or like. Vintage yeah. episodes of the podcast probably people probably would
0: have punched Peter Hitchens after yesterday Oh
1: yes, yeah, Ooh. Hitchens
0: Ooh. Yeah
1: uh, Weirdly, I think Chris Tarrant
0: <laughs> I'm not bothered about it I'm not wasting I mean, my knuckles on him
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> He's not a, uh, you know, he's not a political figure He's not done anything to me personally I just think yeah. squishy face-wise I mean, he ranks yeah. up there
0: I just, you punch Johnson But your face, your fist would probably go into All the pulpy mushiness, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, so Piers Morgan, I've yeah. I think I've said this before. If I haven't, then I apologise to anyone that I'm about to shock. But I honestly think if I punched Piers Morgan, I would come from both balls. Uh, oh. yeah. Um Right, so we got a, a question from Peter Del Monte. Uh thoughts on Bill Gates saying three degrees isn't that bad after all.
0: <laughs> well he actually live, I guess. No. I don't well. Let's did he really? Look.
1: Bill Gates, three degrees. It's bad. Bill Gates sees a lot of climate exaggeration uh, out there. The climate is not the end of the planet, so the planet is going to be fine. I don't think anyone's suggesting that the planet's no, not going to no, no. Bill. No, no, It's just
0: the form the planet then takes. <laughs>
1: yeah. God, uh, these fucking billionaires. And also, billionaires. Do, you know,
0: do you know what? You have to check everything, don't you? Because did he say that? Well, this did is it. Did he say that in a different context? Did he... Was it a throwaway? Was it a genuine thing? You know, you've got to question everything.
1: Is it like, do I go and look up his Twitter account? And it's like, we're all going to be fine at three degrees increase. And this is absolutely in context aid. Like that's (laughs) that's what it's (laughs) going to say. Uh, No, it's on uh, CNBC as well. Um, Bill Gates warns the world is likely to smash through a critical warming threshold. I mean, that's a slightly different quote than... Mm. Uh, than the one presented but yeah I mean Mm -hmm. just for context you will know this but for the benefit of uh, viewers and listeners if we go even like a degree up there is a noticeable effect on sea levels on crop generation Uh, I mean I always go back to this but like the hysteria over tens of thousands of people arriving in boats is going to feel like nothing when we're talking about huge dried out countries that can't grow their own crops or are flooded yeah. and then now underwater or yeah we're gonna have i mean we might be okay in the uk it might just be a slightly nicer warmer climate but we're not going to be unaffected because people are going to rock up on mass
0: well the other thing is i would say to people you know if your house flooded every year mm. would you move yes they go oh yeah well, of course i'd
1: move yeah and I'd go, well there you go mm. yeah Let's see if there's uh, any other questions. Uh, Simon M says, one free punch. Got to be Farage.
0: (laughs) That should be his challenge. Uh, Punch the frog.
1: (sighs) That should be his challenge for, uh, yeah, not kiss the frog. Just punch the frog. (sighs) Um, Should be his challenge in the jungle. It's just like every challenge. It's like I wouldn't even mind if they put him in the jungle. All this talking about like platforming a fascist. I'd actually be okay with it if every single one of his challenges was just like, (laughs) <laughs> I'd be like, this is all right. I I like this show. Okay. You know, I don't
0: think you should be dignified with a punch, really.
1: No. Um Mojo Sabian says, out of six hundred and fifty members of parliament, how many good eggs do you reckon there are in there, Anthea? Oh, that's
0: a good one. Um, I don't know. Forty or forty or so, probably, actually. Mm. But I think, you know, I mean obviously obviously standouts are Caroline Lucas such a shame she's going chris bryant i think he's a really good guy i like him a lot um i like darren jones mm-hmm. i think he's pretty cool layla moran i think it's been fantastic through this whole gaza thing too you know with that extra dimension she's had to deal with mm. um yeah i've gone my brain's gone kind of empty at the moment but i you know i mean there, were, there was a time when i would have been able to name dominic Grieve and sarah wollaston and said i like them too but you know so big loss
1: yeah Times change, unfortunately.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, let's just check if there's one more and then we'll we'll call it a night, guys. Um, oh, here we go. This is from Pedulous. Uh, if any Tory would promise something actually progressive, would you really believe him? <laughs> Which is, this is almost exactly the response that Tan yeah. gave me. She was like, even if they did say, we're going to take you, like this is, imagine this is a constituency Tory. Mm. And they say I I'm fully behind taking us back into the EU. I'm fully behind investing in the NHS. I'm mm. you couldn't ask for a more climate respectful and you know pro climate, uh, rein in the oil companies candidate than me. Would you fucking believe that person given how like the setup is and how habitually they lie? And that was puts say- me, yeah puts me back in my box to be fair.
0: Yeah, I'd be saying. I'd like to watch you have this conversation with a Brexiter.
1: Mm. Or like, yeah, next time a member of the opposite side, like the tribe, because, you know, we talked about different mm-hmm. tribes of the Tory party. Next time an ERG pro fracking type stands up in the house, would you actually oppose? Would you stand up yes. there and render yourself vulnerable to losing your cushy office, to not getting the right amount of support for the next general election? Exactly. Um I mean, yeah. that seems no, to work. No, I'm right sorry, you know,
0: if you, yeah. Yeah. pulling for the wrong side.
1: Yeah. Um, Anthea Simmons, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, guys, please do go and check out South Devon. Um, wait. Primary. What, South Devon Not Primary. School. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> South Devon and Primary. And
0: also, also political primary, politicalprimary.org, which is the, the nationwide one.
1: Great. Yeah. And that's obviously going to play a big role in the in the upcoming general election. So, yes, South Devon primary and political primary. Um, You're on. Are you on Twitter? You're on threads and all that?
0: Yeah, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Jolly good. Um, yeah
1: so people can just google you and find you um, thank yeah. you so much for those of you um, to those of you uh, jumping in the live stream and the chat tonight um, I'll be back Tuesday or Wednesday next week with the solo, solo show until next time take care of yourselves keep it hashtag booge keep it strictly hashtag binfluencer and I'm out this motherfucker